scriptures. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 as the kids go back and enjoy their time studying and learning about the Lord. Uh, we're going to enjoy our time as well. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin our reading, a very familiar text. Uh, it's not too early, I believe, to turn to this portion of the scripture and hear from this amazing story, something new and fresh every time that we read it. We're going to open up by reading the first seven verses. Of course, we'll read a little bit more as we continue on in our study this morning, but I feel like the first seven will set the tone for us. Chapter 2, verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all the world went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth in the Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn." i got to ask you a question before we get too far into our time this morning. What's the best news you've ever gotten or heard? The best news that you've heard. The news that when you hear it, the moment that you hear it, the moment that you, that, that, you, know, you begin to process it, you, you say out loud maybe, that's the best news. That's exactly what I was hoping for. That is exactly what I needed. That is the one thing I have been dying to hear forever. I'm sure everybody has something that maybe comes to your mind. What is the best news you've gotten? Maybe what's the best news you could get? Maybe you're at a point in life, you're waiting for that news, and you know what you want, right? You know what you're hoping for. What is the best news you've ever gotten or ever heard? And, and, and I know I didn't give you much time to prep or think about this, and, and maybe if I start telling one of my own, that's the best news moments, it'll help you remember or think of them. Uh, the, the best kind of news is really the news that you remember where you were and when you were, right? W what you were doing, uh, where you were, when you heard it. Um, and it's the kind of news that you can feel the ripple effects from so many years later. I think everybody can, can identify with that. Um, there's been that thing that happened, that news that you got, and you can remember where you were standing, what you were doing, what you, maybe what you were wearing, maybe, I don't know. But you remember where you were and what you were doing, the time and place, the day and the hour of the moment that you heard the news. Now, just humor me a little bit, because I tell this story a lot, and every time I tell this story, it gets even more and more incredible. Um, and uh, I only tell this story because of how it ends. So i got to tell you the beginning of the story, because otherwise the ending isn't so charming and romantic. So, October the 30th, 2012, um, I, uh, uh, I had just got in from work, and I was standing in front of my mirror, and I was checking Twitter or social media, and there on my feed at 4 p.m., 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. So what happens at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday? Except the best news ever, um, and just in case you were wondering. So 4 p.m. on a Tuesday, the best news one could receive, um, Disney... <laughs> had purchased Lucasfilm. You knew this was coming. Disney had purchased Lucasfilm, and part of the purchase of Lucasfilm was that they purchased Star Wars, right? And without wasting any time, it, there on my feed, I clicked the link, and I was like, what is going on? Because it had been dead for a decade, right? Star Wars was just cartoons. It, it was at best, it was going to be re-released, but it was over, right? The movies were gone. The story was done. Lucas was retired. But 
There on my newsfeed was the most amazing announcement, right? I don't think I could even, could even describe how excited I was to hear this good news. Um, I literally remember what I was doing, right, and, and, and uh, where I was. And there in the press release was they were announcing already, not wasting any time, that December 2015, um, Star Wars Episode Seven would be released. So they had it all planned out, right? They knew what they were doing. They built up to this, released the, the announcement. Three years later, hey, we're going to have this movie out, and it's going to change your life. Huh. Little did they know it would change mine. Um, now, I know, I know this is getting old, but you have to understand, right? Again, I loved it. I grew up with it. It was over with, though. I, you know, I'd seen the six movies. The story was done. Nothing more to tell. Um, but three years later, three years later, 2015, I'm riding the wave of excitement to the lead-up of the new movie, and this bold and courageous force has uh, surrounded me. I don't know what you want to describe it as, but hyped by the good news that just kept getting better, um, I got the nerve up to ask somebody to go see that movie with me um, that I had spent forever trying to find a reason to talk to. And hey, why not Star Wars, right? Everybody loves Star Wars. Um, and uh, I'm not talking about Chris and Eric because we went and saw it too um, on opening night. We got there two hours early and uh, got the best seats in the house. And uh, we're going to do it again in a couple weeks. But sure enough, um, in response to will you go see Star Wars, I can't believe I did this. Will you go see Star Wars with me? I got the best, I got even better news than the announcement from the years before. I got the word, yes. That's really good news, right? All these years later, um, in just a few weeks, uh, Lindsay and I get to relive that perfect, perfect first date. Right, honey? Right, right. You should have been up closer. It would have been made the moment more special. Um, now, I tell you this, I tell you this, because God, if God can orchestrate corporate affairs and fantasy universes just for me, right? If he did all that just for me, because of course he did. And, and if he's omnipotent and omnipresent, there's hope for you, right? I mean, I'm not that special to him, you know. I'm up there, but, you know, not, not that. So, if my story can end like that, then what, who knows what your story could do. Now, if that story hadn't ended with Lindsay and I living happily ever after, I wouldn't have used the first five minutes to talk about that. Maybe I would have, but regardless, it ended so nicely. Uh, But it did, so I I couldn't help myself. But in retrospect, it was a case, it was a situation where good news kept getting better. Now, you may not relate to me in hearing about a movie coming out and thinking that's good news, because there's better news, of course. But I bet many of you would say, yeah, when they said yes... That was some of the best news I ever heard. I hope you can say that. Uh, Maybe when they called back, when that job came through, when the doctor called and said everything is okay, when the surgeon came in the waiting room and said everything's fine, we got it all. That's some of the best news you can hear, right? When When your deployed spouse or child comes home, right, after being away for months, maybe even over a year, As a pastor, I've got to stand alongside many of you during those seasons of your life when you were waiting on those phone calls or those reports in those moments when you were waiting on an answer or a decision to come through. I've got to celebrate alongside some of you when the good news was finally delivered. And maybe the best news for you involved or would involve something personal, something professional, something about your health, maybe your family. Uh, it depends on which era, you, uh, era of life we drop back into, but when you were young, maybe it was a grade that you earned, and you worked really hard for that, and you passed that class. That was the best news you could get at that point in your life. Maybe it was a job that you got. You applied, you applied, you waited and waited, and finally it came through. Maybe it was a recent decision that somebody made that benefited you. Maybe an answer uh, found that brought healing or a cure to you. All these things are good news, aren't they? 
But I think if we were to try to summarize what constitutes good news in the most general or broad ways, I think we could say something like this. Good news usually, good news usually brings peace and favor of some kind. Peace as in, I was worried, but now I don't have to worry anymore. I was on shaky ground, but now things are calm. Now I have certainty. See, good news usually brings some sort of peace, doesn't it? Some sort of, I'm so thankful things worked out. See, good news brings some kind of favor, as in you were down and out, you were struggling, you were falling behind, you were missing out, but then things turned around, and now things are different. And it's like the world's working against you, and now the world and things are working for you. That's good news, because the favor can be felt. See, good news usually always brings a sense of peace and a sense of good fortune. And the best kind of news, good news is, because, is good because of peace and because of favor. We say things like, I'm so relieved. Or I have peace that I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for so long for this break, for this opportunity, for this thing to happen. And the fortunes changed for you, didn't they? Now, as good as some of those good moments have been for you, and as good as some of the good news I've heard... I'd be, it'd be a stretch for me to say that good news to me is always good news for you. Because it's hard to find good news that's for all people, right? I mean, it's hard to find good news that everybody can say, no, that's good, or that's great. That brings me peace. That brings me good fortune, right? During political races, there's opposing sides, right? And when one person wins, some people are thinking, this is peace, this is favor. The other side are thinking, this is not peace, this is not favor. It's hard to find a situation that is good for everybody. What makes you, what, what warms your heart on one side of the hospital maybe breaks the heart of someone else on the other side of the hospital. See, most of the times, good news is relative, it's conditional and even it's temporary. That it really just applies to the moment that we're in and sometimes it even fades away. And, and many times, sometimes good news is quickly forgotten. Good news is quickly forgotten if and when, because everybody faces bad news as well, if and when the bad news comes, we forget the good news, right? And no matter how good the good news was, the bad news can overwhelm it and even replace it, can it? And then it's like no matter how good we've had it before, we need more good news to lift us up. You see, yesterday's good was good, but it's no good today because of all the bad. The yes they gave you yesterday is no good if today they give you a no, right? No matter how uh, much success you had at that job, when you're let go, that hire that you got all those years before doesn't do anything anymore, does it? The clean bill of help from a decade ago doesn't help when the tests come and say it's back. I guess what I'm trying to say is good news is often fragile. Because even the most amazing peace can pass away. Even the most rich favor can fade away in the blink of an eye. Even the best news we've ever heard loses its effectiveness and its power eventually. No good news is good forever. There's always the potential for bad news to undo all the peace and undo all the favor that the good news brought. But... What if there was good news that could stand against any and all bad news? What if? What if there was good news so good that no matter the bad news that came your way, you could maintain a sense of peace and favor anyways? Then what if there was good news that was so amazing and so world-changing and so consistent 
and so present that it would bring you peace and favor no matter, no matter what bad ever came your way. Because here's what I know about bad news. Bad news sucks away peace in life, sucks away peace and favor, and makes us feel like the good fortune is gone, right? Bad news in the minute can make us feel like whatever peace we had has been evaporated, whatever favor we have has been taken away. But what if? What if there was good news with such impact and such resonance, as in its makeup was of such a way that its effectiveness and its, has a prolonged and reinforced power? What if there was good news with such impact and resonance that any and all bad news would always be matched and surpassed? Oh, you got some bad news today? Remember this. Remember this. What if there was good news that somehow, someway could always match and surpass the impact and resonance of bad news? Now, you may be thinking that's just too good to be true. But what if there is good news that is too good? What if this good news wasn't about being promoted or being sold something that we thought we were suspicious of and once we experienced it we realized well this isn't going to change my life they said it would but it didn't right you watch television and you watch advertisement it seems like they're always trying to convince us that if we just buy this or we just you know put you know bet everything on this that somehow some way it's going to give us the good that we always you know are going to be able to overcome the bad with you know marketing and advertising it's really all about trying to convince us that if we pick this up it will always pick us up right when we're down and out we'll always have something to make us feel better you know, it's the whole season that we've kind of, you know, that has kind of overtaken the real Christmas season. Um, and it's why the whole thing in today's world is subscription plans. You know, the whole thing today isn't buy it once, but it's buy it forever, right? You pay for it every month, and it, you get it, and you don't have to worry about buying it again or resubscribing. You just subscribe once, and we'll take the money for as long as you're alive, right? Even after you're gone, we'll keep taking the money as long as there's a bank account to take the money from, right? Subscribe once, and we'll always give you what you need. We'll send you clothes and shoes and food and content of every kind. It's all about pay up front, and hopefully you'll end up with something. Um, you'll end up consuming less so that you pay more and you, you know, make the people more money. That's why the world, that's the world that we live in today, and honestly we're being lied to even by the stuff that we like, because even if we like what we buy and even if we keep buying more and more, it doesn't change our world every time, does it? It doesn't revolutionize us every time, but we keep going back because somehow, someway, the quality of our lives are improved just enough. And that's what every marketer dreams of, that hopefully you buy their product and it's enough for you. And even though they could make some improvements, they don't have to spend the money to make the improvements because you are already buying in. Because even if we like what we buy, we keep going, or we don't like what we buy, we keep going back. But honestly, as much as propaganda works on us, it doesn't save us. Propaganda actually costs us. We're convinced we can't live without something. This or that is the best thing ever, they say. But honestly, it's just okay. You know, I've got to tell you, sometimes God lines these messages up in a way that surpasses me. So I've got all this prepared. 
praying about it, studying last night, and, and Jason texts me, and he's out in, the back, out in the lobby, so I can't give him, give him the spotlight today like he deserves. But Jason texts me, and he's elated that uh, he went to McDonald's, because he does that sometimes, I do too. Um, he went to McDonald's, and he bought a gift card, a $50 gift card, and with the purchase of a $50 gift card, I hope I, I should have asked him if I could tell this story, but I didn't, so I hope he's okay with this. But he bought a gift card for somebody, and lucky you if you're getting that for Christmas. Um, really, lucky you. Maybe it's me, right? I don't know. He bought a gift card, and uh, with the purchase of a gift card during this season, you get a punch, you get a punch card or a, a coupon for a free Big Mac every week for a year. Now, best news ever, right, was what I responded to him. Now he understands why I said that. Um, but uh, So I told Lindsay last night, I spend way more than $50 a year at McDonald's. I should go buy a gift card to buy my food in advance because then I'll get a free Big Mac every week. Logic, right? Now, I'm not one of those cross-fitting, kale-eating pastors. Y'all know me, but I, I do it in moderation, so I'm not, you know, losing control just yet. Um, but anyways, as much as Jason, as much as I love McDonald's and, and any of this other nerd stuff that I talk about sometimes, as much as I love this stuff that we often buy into, listen, come on, it's not enough to, to counter the bad that every day throws at us all the time. I mean, maybe some days that's exactly what we need, but not every day, Right? And while it wants me, while marketing wants me to come back on the regular that I'll, that, 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 you know, that thinking it is exactly what I need, there's bound to be a day when it just doesn't cut it, right? But propaganda wants us to think otherwise. Why does all this matter to us? 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, the rulers of the world thought they were on to something that many were calling the best news ever. They invented a new word for it, actually. The best news ever, able to always be better than even the worst possible news, able to add silver lining to the most rotten of days. The ancient Romans and the ancient Greeks were abuzz with what they called the euangelion. Now, the euangelion is a Greek word. The eu, the eu, means good, and the angelion is from a word that means message or messenger. So they invented this word that literally there's no, uh, no uh, trace of this word before a certain period around the time of the Christmas story. This word euangelion was the word good and message stuck together, and it continues to be a word we use today. Evangelical comes from this word, the good messengers or the good message. The Greeks and the Romans invented this word, invented this phrase to describe, really it was a political campaign to convince the world that the Roman emperor, Augustus Caesar, wasn't just a good leader, but he was one of the gods came down from the heavens to lead the nation, and the spirit of Caesar would be on every Roman king forever, and as long as Rome was in charge, it was good news of great joy, promising peace and favor to all people. Augustus Caesar began convincing the world that it, it was not just about respecting him, but by worshiping him, you would ensure your long-term peace and prosperity, peace and favor. The message from Rome, literally the good news that was inscribed in newspapers and on posters, the good news of Rome went something like this. Above you each day, ruling in the city of Rome, is an emperor who is Caesar the Lord. Maybe you've heard something like that before. Above you, ruling over you, is an emperor. His name, his title is Caesar. Remember that name because you'll never forget it, because every king from now on will dub the title Caesar, the Lord over all. The good news went something like this. 
Glory to the gods on high, and on earth peace and goodwill to those who honor Him. To those who pay tribute to Him. Speaking of paying tribute, Roman taxation was a way to ensure that everyone paid tribute. Especially the right amount of tribute. So in the ancient days, these sorts of imperial mandates were the kind of things that had to take precedent over everything in life. Plans had to be changed. Trips had to be canceled. No matter the circumstance, you had to follow the rules. When it was time for a census, you had to go to your hometown to register with the government so they knew who you were, how much you made, and how much you owed the emperor. After all, it would be a shame for you to miss out on being registered and not getting the privilege of paying proper tribute to Caesar because your peace and your favor depended on it. So you wouldn't want to miss the registration. And so it was long, long ago in the ancient world, people all around Europe and Asia and Africa made their way to their hometowns to register to file their taxes. Such was the way to handle things in the pre-electronic world. This was, to, this was an inconvenience to almost everyone except the emperor, who, don't worry, didn't have to leave his luxurious palace where he had all the pasta and all the grapes he could ever imagine, being reminded constantly of how amazing he was, how lucky the world was to have him, a god among men, not as one of us, but above and better than all of us. Politicians and priests, historians and noblemen all around the world thought and for sure that this census that Caesar issued, this census would be remembered forever as yet another sign for Caesar's supremacy and his greatness. Ancient propaganda and newspapers reported Rome was forever. Caesar was forever. This is the good news of great joy. The promise of peace and favor would be forever as long as he was in charge. And 2,000 years later, that's exactly why everybody remembers the time that Caesar called the world to be taxed, right? I mean, 2,000 years later, everybody remembers the time that Caesar Augustus sent everyone to their hometown because of how it exalted him and added to his legacy, right? And all these years later, when we think good news, we think Augustus Caesar, don't we? The one who brought favor and peace to the whole world, the Pax Romana, continues to bless everyone, Right? That's why everyone speaks Latin and we all wear togas and we wear laurel wreaths around our head, right? That's why Little Caesars is the number one pizza chain in the world. That's why every winter, every 3rd of December, we gather to celebrate solstice and honor Saturn, the Roman god who powers Caesar, right? That's what we think of when we hear the good news, right? Now, while we absolutely remember the time that Caesar Augustus called the world to be taxed, it's not for the reason the ancient Romans would have suspected it to be. One historian said that all who oppose Augustus would be brought to nothing. The other historian uh, believed that anyone who was defiant toward the Caesars would be forgotten in, page, in the pages of history. Another wrote that Augustus would envision a world where everyone was adjourned in Roman togas. And Roman history books go on and on about how Augustus acted in consort with the gods. How the emperors that came after him were filled with his essence and his vigor, perplexed at anyone who would dare go after another god because only true peace and prosperity would be found in Caesar's corner. Of course, you've all read those history books, haven't you? You've got a copy of Suetonius' The Twelve Caesars on your coffee table and you read it every night before you go to bed, right? Every volume of Tacitus' Annals you have on your bookshelf, right? Actually, the only thing we remember about Caesar is that one time he called for the world to be taxed. 
And the only reason you remember that one time is because it was Christmas time, right? The story that should have been a footnote in Caesar's story actually made Caesar a footnote in history. The story of a young engaged woman who should have been the shame of her family and fiancé because she was pregnant, not by her boyfriend or by her fiancé, even though no one believed her. And even Joseph wondered who she had been unfaithful to him with. He tried to call the wedding off and break up the engagement without shaming her completely. But the word on the street was that God prevented him. The story goes something like this, that when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, or her husband-to-be, Joseph being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce, and they didn't really have a word for break off the marriage, so the thing's the same thing, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now this is really kind of Old Testament-like, right? You know, angels and dreams. But one thing you don't find in the Old Testament is engaged couples having dreams like this about a baby that they're having that isn't their own. This was far too messy. It looked bad from the outside. People begin to judge Mary as someone sinful. People begin to judge Joseph as either being sinful himself or as being, you know, accomplice in what was going on. This story was too messy to be Old Testament-like. This story was too foggy and too unclear. But thank God the Old Testament was over. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's why this story is remembered, because that other part was too messy for it to be continued, to, to be a part of history. But this idea that there would be a baby come into the world to save people from their sin, we're listening. And all this took place to fulfill the, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And here we are 2,000 years later talking about the time that Mary and Joseph made their way up the hills of Judea, being told there was no room in Bethlehem's hotels. They should find a place out in the stables in the outskirts of town where the unclean and the shepherds stayed with their sheep. No one remembers Caesar and the good news he promised and proclaimed, the peace and favor that he promoted, but everybody remembers Christmas. Do you think... Anybody would have bought this idea if you were to go back 2,000 years and say, hey, I got some information for you. That good news of Caesar, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be forgotten. It's going to be a footnote. And the good news of, get this, a baby Jewish boy born in a barn. Do you think anybody would have believed us if we were to show up? Even the Jewish people would not believe us. A dad who claims he had not sinned, a woman who was pregnant without, out of marriage. What kind of good news, what kind of God-given story is this? I mean, the rest of the world would have, would have weighed the odds. I mean, a God descending to a Roman throne or God being born in a feeding trough. I mean, hey, which one do you think God's going to do, right? If there's a God and He's in person and He's on, in flesh, we're going to go with the throne. We're going to go with the kings of the earth, right? I mean, God's Son as emperor to rule the world or God's Son as a baby to save the world. I mean, come on. God doesn't save people. God would never become a baby. The good news of Caesar really wasn't surprising. To be honest, it wasn't all that exciting. 
Caesar's propaganda wasn't enough to change the world's opinion about the gods. The gods played and people paid and only kings prospered. Roman peace and prosperity was a pipe dream and, and we've never heard of the Roman good news before today. And why would we? Because it's not even good news. Every king and kingdom tries to convince us that what advances their agenda will be best for us. They want us to think that because they're in charge we'll always look forward to good news. And while sometimes the news is good, more often than not, it's temporary at best, and even the best leaders are surrounded with bad news. Nothing universally good. And according to Luke, the real twist of the story is that the true end-all, be-all good news, the best news of all, wasn't found in Caesar or in Rome, but was first told on that starry night when, unbeknownst to everybody, a baby boy was born. The story continues, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I bring you good news. That's the euangelion. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to what? All people. All people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angelic multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, as in all people. See, what maybe never jumped off the page to you is that Luke is writing to a world that had been sold on good news for a long time. The world had been told for years, Rome, Caesar, they have your back. But no people group more than Israel knew how far from the truth this was. The Jewish people had a legend, a hope that one day a Messiah would come, a Savior would come from David's lineage and rescue them from all the bad that was in the world. A Savior for sin that was within, oppression around, and death below. Luke writes to us in the days of an all-powerful emperor ruling his people, the Jewish God, the only God, sent his son to be with his people. And unlike Caesar, God didn't promise, to do, God didn't promise peace and favor if we do something for him. He promised peace and favor because he's going to do something for us. That's what it means by a savior. A Savior who would make peace and give favor for free out of love. Born not to conquer or take over, but born to love. Born to die. To put good news on display that the extent of our sinfulness and our lostness would be matched by His love and His sacrifice. So that's why the good news for you, the good news for me, that's why this is good news for everybody. Luke was bold to take this phrase, good news, and attribute it to Jesus. Unto us, it means peace with God. Favor from God. Hear this, this isn't a message of judgment or a threat from on high. For some reason, the good news is not always the front and center of Christianity. I don't know why it isn't. We feel like we've got to outsmart God and add to this, add that. God does not say uh, that th th God doesn't say this or God doesn't say that. We should be true to what the message is. That there is good news of great joy, peace and favor from God to all people. 
God was and still is confident in the good news ability to win, save, and keep hearts. The good news is that no matter what we have, no matter what, we have peace with God. And you know what that means? That no matter what the fear, anxiety to any and all unknowns in your life, you can say, I have peace with God. I have peace from God. Peace that surpasses understanding. The good news is that no matter what we are going through, we have favor to God, from God to look forward to. All throughout history, people have begged and chased after favor from the gods or from God. Religion chronicles the misguided, impossible attempts to find favor, to please the gods. God wants you to know that He favors you, He loves you, He's working for you, and that nothing can separate you from that. Christmas is a reminder every year, every day, that peace with God, favor from God, are good enough, powerful enough to save us in any and every circumstance. If you've failed, God says, don't worry, I'll give you peace about that. I'll give you favor to bounce back. If you feel forgotten or you've been wrong, God says, don't let that define you. I've got peace behind you and I've got favor to guide you. If you will just turn towards God. The good news is that you'll always find peace and favor. See, sometimes, some reason, for some reason, religion has scared people from turning towards God. But the good news of Christmas says that every time you turn towards God, every time you've turned towards God, you find a loving, heavenly Father. There is never a circumstance, I don't mean any circumstance, where you turn towards God and you find somebody besides a loving, heavenly Father. He's not here to judge. He's not here to condemn. He's not here to separate. And there is no hostility. Don't let the enemy or religion tell you that if you turn towards God, He won't accept you. He's already accepted you. He did that way before Jesus ever died. He accepted you when He entered this world to become one of you. He took on flesh to send a universal message of good news. Unto us a Savior has come with peace and favor never to be outdone. God's message to you does not change and it will never change. You know, we often focus on Romans 3.23 that says all have sinned. Let's go to the next. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the verse continues, and are justified, and are justified by the gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. The, yes, all have fallen short of the glory of God, but all have been justified by the free gift of Jesus Christ. As universal as our sin is, God's love and grace is universal as well. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, you're going to have days when you're down and you're discouraged because it's hard to ignore or shut off the bad news sometimes. Yeah, you're going to fall. Christmas doesn't mean that there won't be bad days. Christmas means there doesn't have to be bad days without good news. That there's always good news that is good enough to diffuse any bad news. Christmas means that you can wake up every morning, turn on the news, open social media, go to the doctor, go to work, do life with him or her, and no matter what bad may come your way, good news is here to stay. You know, Luke's story really centers around a group of shepherds. They were outcasts back in the day, but the shepherds had a song that they sang 
It was written by a legendary shepherd who became king. These shepherds would have known it very well because they were in his backyard. They were in Bethlehem, the city of David, the king, who was also a shepherd. David had a special relationship with God. It was to David that God first spoke of a Savior he would send through his lineage. David knew of the peace and favor found in God before many or anybody else did. And maybe that's why God shared the Christmas story with these shepherds before anyone else, because they would have known the words to that famous song very well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over And the song ends like this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. On every bad day you're having. When you lose, when you fall, when you fail, the good news reminds you that goodness and favor, goodness and mercy, peace, follows you every single day. And I know sometimes in life it feels like that bad news is following us, but we need to relearn how to look at the world. We need to understand that that is the enemy's lie to you, that every single day, goodness and mercy, peace and favor are following you. God is with you. God is for you. He gives peace and favor always. Peace and favor will follow us all the days of our life. So what if there was good news with such impact and resonance that any and all bad news would always be matched and surpassed? And what if Jesus is that good news? What if? For 2,000 years, people like you have been coming together in buildings like this and have been singing songs that Jesus is that good news. And any day that you let some bad news that comes from some pit of hell, any day that you let some bad news that comes from the enemy, that comes from this fallen world, any day that you allow bad news of any kind, and I know it gets rough, any day that you allow that bad news to suffocate you from the good news, you're forgetting the story and message and the promise of Christmas. That's how good the good news really is. I hope you've responded to it. In fact, you could turn to God today and say, God, I've heard the good news. I believe your good news. I trust Christ as my Savior. Lord, give me your peace and your favor. How about we say that together? I've heard the good news. I believe your good news. I trust Christ as my Savior. Lord, give me your peace and your favor. What if that simple prayer could change an awful day? What if that simple prayer, that simple confession could change even the darkest of days? I believe it can. I believe it can change your heart right now, but I believe more importantly it can change your life on a day when you're about to give up. 
when everything bad that could go bad is going against you, but God says to you, there's good news. There's good news. And his name is Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. I am thankful. Lord, I'm just a messenger. Lord, I don't make this good. And I can't make this good for anybody. Lord, I believe it's good. I've heard it, and I believe it, and I trusted. And Lord, I've received peace and favor in the darkest of times. But Lord, I can't make this real for people, but you can. You can, and Father, I'm asking for you to do just that for somebody today. Lord, as everybody is in this house and they're filled with these, this word and this message and this reminder and, and your spirit, I pray that you would do something that I can't do. That you would lift up somebody's broken heart. You would lift up somebody's despondent soul. You would lift up somebody who has been overwhelmed by bad and overwhelmed by sin and oppression and maybe just the, 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 the spirit of all sorts of bad things. But Lord, it's not bad, so bad that your good news can't resurrect them. It's not so bad that your good news isn't enough for them. And Father, I can't make it personal, but you can. And Lord, your promise to them is that your goodness and your favor and your peace and your mercy is going to follow them all the days of their life. That there is good news that will match, and that its impact and resonance will match and surpass whatever bad ever comes their way. Whatever bad they've done, whatever bad somebody has done to them, and whatever bad happens around them, your good news is good enough. It's the best. So, Father, I pray you would make this personal for somebody this Christmas season. That, Lord, you would let them to unwrap the free gift of grace, of peace, and favor with God. We ask all this in Jesus' name.